With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 69 of Talk It's Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They are still somewhere in the Green Bay area before they come home. We're doing this podcast on a Monday morning after a Sunday night football loss. The Giants lose their third game in a row. 23-16 to the Packers. It was ugly. The last three weeks have been ugly. And now the Giants sit in last place in the NFC East. James, as you sit here on this Monday morning, I mean, we talked in the beginning of the season of when Ben McAdoo would face adversity, the schedule and all these different things that would come into this. But here we are after a two and zero start now three in a row on the, on the wrong end of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's going downhill pretty quick. You know, I think in hindsight, maybe we should have seen this coming. You know, you look back at those first two wins, everyone was feeling great at a two and zero start, but you know, they were kind of wins that had some some warts and, you know, especially the Saints game where they didn't score an offensive touchdown. But, yeah, I mean, it's all kind of come unraveled since the Redskins game. You know, obviously the Packers and the Vikings are two really good teams, but the Giants really have not been good at all, especially on offense the last two weeks. I think it's a major concern. And, you know, this, this team's at a fork-in-the-road moment, and they could go really bad. So we'll see what happens now. Yeah, they are. And, Dan, when you look at what's going on here, Specifically the offense. I mean, this is, I think, to a lot of people, surprising. I mean, the Giants right now, of teams that have played five games like they have, only the Rams, Texans, Browns, and Dolphins have scored less points. I mean, this this is not what people expected. And even last night, and we're doing this on a Monday morning, when they scored late and Beckham got a touchdown, and that only put them at 16 points. They're just not moving the ball. Yeah, I mean, you said it earlier, it's surprising. It's shocking, really, to me. I mean, you look at what this offense put up the last two seasons, you know, albeit in losing seasons, but you bring pretty much everyone back, yet add weapons like a Sterling Shepard and a Victor Cruz. It's really hard to understand how things are going in the wrong direction. I mean, I guess we probably should have had our antenna up a little more for that Saints game because the Saints defense always stinks. And for them to hold just out a touchdown is uh, pretty alarming, especially as it's been confirmed, the Saints, Saints defense does, in fact, stink. Um, I mean, that, the problem is, you know, the Vikings, obviously, great defense. You can, you can chuck that one out. They haven't even been playing great defenses. So you can't say, oh, the Packers defense was, you know, was, was so good. It was so tough to go up there and score. I mean, that was the 29th-ranked pass defense in the NFL, missing their top two cornerbacks. I mean, that's if, if ever a team was ripe for the picking, especially with a pass-happy offense, you really thought last night they're going to break out as Ben McAdoo and everybody else said during the week. So uh, to go up there and have that type of offensive performance is really alarming. Uh, you know, I think with Eli Manning, 
I know a lot of the fans feel like he's getting a pass, and, and I think they're right at this point because he's he hasn't been good uh, at all this season. There's no other way to put it. I mean, Odell Beckham has taken the attention. Uh, obviously, the McAdoo's probably more into fire than Eli, but at some point you got to look at the quarterback, and, and he's just not playing very well. And obviously this offense is only going as far as Eli takes them. So uh, I don't know what it is. Obviously the offensive line is a huge issue, uh, but Eli needs to figure it out because he's missing some throws that you just have to make. He really is. And James, when you look at Eli and, and you look at the numbers, I mean, 18 to 35 for less than 200 yards. I mean, we talked a lot about how this offense with Ben McAdoo changed his career and got him going again and really took his trajectory in a different direction because a few years ago you could have said, oh, maybe he's going to slip. And then he played well under Ben. But the last two games, it has been ugly. I mean, do you put this on Eli? Do you put it on the circumstances around him. What do you think's going on with this passing game right now that just stinks at this moment? I, you know, I was kind of, you know, people have been criticizing Eli the past two weeks, and he didn't play well at all by any means. But I, you know, I kind of looked at his numbers his first two games. And I was like, you know, he's not playing as bad as it looks. But last night was was all Eli. I mean, he just, yeah, he didn't have much protection, but he had great protection against the Vikings, and he was the same way. He was jittery throwing balls into the dirt, high, low, off to the side, inaccurate. Just doesn't seem like he's comfortable back there. Uh, he's not playing very good football right now. And obviously, there's only so much that you, know, you really can do about that, you know, because what are they going to do? They're going to put Ryan Nassim in the game? But Eli is just, he's not hes not right right now. I, I mean, he's not playing well, and he has to be a lot better if this team is going to contend. Yeah, he absolutely does. And for the Giants, they need him to be better. They need the entire offense to be better. And part of that's the offensive line. And part of it is the left tackle, Eric Flowers. And we have a lot to talk about on this subject. Dan, we'll start with you. We'll kind of work our way backwards here with what happened in the locker room after the game, which has become a big talking point. You wrote about it. And then we'll work our way back to on the field where Flowers just hasn't performed to the level of a top 10 you know, pick left tackle. But after the game, Dan, you could, you could tell us what happened. But just to set the, the scene, I, I mean, you were in the locker room and uh, Jordan Renan, who used to do, you know, work for us here at NJ Advanced Media, was part of this podcast for a long time and helped start this podcast. Uh, you guys were there talking to Flowers, and then uh, something happened that usually doesn't happen in the locker room. So, Dan, what did you see between Jordan and Flowers and kind of that whole scene in the locker room after the game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll paint the picture. I mean, if you read my story, I, I really just transcribed the entire 10-second exchange. I, you know, I didn't want to leave anything to interpretation. You know, what I wrote is how it went down, but uh, me and another reporter, I, I assume was from Green Bay because I didn't recognize him. Uh, we're talking to Flowers, you know, maybe two questions of just, you know, generic postgame stuff. What's the matter with the offensive line, blah, blah, blah. Jordan had come over uh, and stood on the side of Flowers. So I was actually in the middle of asking a question and Flowers, you know, turned to Jordan. And again, I don't, I don't remember word for word. I, the transcript is up on our site. But hey, basically his, his message to Jordan was like, get away. You know, I don't want you here. And Jordan just, you know, he wasn't in a defiant way. He was just saying, listen, I'm just trying to do my job. And to that, Flowers got more uh, animated. And he never blew up. It wasn't one of these things that caused the whole scene, as, as you can tell by the fact that I mean, I'm the only one who reported it because the way the locker room was set up, people were uh, all scattered about. They had rows of lockers separating the locker room in about three different sections. And literally every other reporter was in one of the other two sections when this happened, just kind of by chance. Um, so it escalated to the point where, you know, Flowers got, you know, in his face to the point where he said, you know, get the F out of my face, bro, or something to that effect. And, and again, Jordan said one more time, I'm just doing my job. And, and Flowers just, you know, gave a quick, 
you know, quick hard shove for a six foot six, three hundred thirty pound guy, basically to Jordan's chest, and and sent him back, you know, a couple of steps. wasn't a wasn't a huge deal in the sense, you know, Jordan wasn't injured, and and Flowers didn't escalate it any further. But it was. I mean, I've been doing this, I guess, for probably ten years or so. I've never seen anything close to that in a locker room. I mean, you kind of hear some sort of legendary stories of reporters and and players mixing it up in the locker room, but I've never seen it. Uh, and you don't really hear about it too much nowadays. I feel like um, you know, maybe a screaming match is the most you might get. So to see a, a player, and again, a, a pretty big player, put his hands on a reporter, uh, kind of unprecedented in my mind. Uh, obviously, it's it's going to be a topic the Giants didn't uh, want to comment on it last night. They're going to have to address it. I mean, you just, whatever you think about reporters, you can't have your players putting their hands on them. Especially, again, Jordan didn't do anything in the sense that he, you know, provoked it. He was literally just standing there. He hadn't even said anything yet. And all he said was, I'm just trying to do my job. And again, not in a way that was uh, confrontational. So, I mean, it's just a really bad look for Flowers. Bad look for the Giants. Because, I mean, Penn McAdoo's only been at the helm for, what has it been, five games? And there's a lot of kind of cracks in the foundation when you just talk about discipline. Again, not that Ben McAdoo could have prevented this, but everything's going to reflect on him, especially when things are going bad. So, uh, yeah, it made, it made a bad night a lot worse for Eric Flowers. No, no doubt about that. And yeah, no, it it comes across bad, James. I mean, this this feels like, uh, you know, this I think in the outside perception, and you guys are around the team every day. But this is a team with, you know, Dan just said cracks. You could talk about melting down the the personality. I mean, this even if this was a very isolated incident, and who knows why Flowers acted that way, or he was just upset, or whatever uh, towards Jordan, and this story, you know, became a big story here, but. This does. This comes off as a team that is just—they're not all there right now, right, James? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're someone on the outside looking in, I think that's pretty much the only thing you can assume. I mean, look, what Eric Flowers did was completely and totally unprofessional, unacceptable, and in my opinion, the Giants have to address it and they have to punish him. I don't know how they punish him. I don't know if they bench him. I mean, you know, I don't know if they suspend him. I, I don't know if they fine him. But the Giants just can't look the other way. Oh, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. We're, you know, fact-finding mission here now. Like, they have to do something about this because there's a lot of noise out there about Eric Flowers. Now, who knows what's real and what's not real. But Flowers is a guy who's in his second year in the league. He's a top-ten draft pick. He is not making, in my opinion, the necessary progress that you would hope that your franchise left tackle is going to make. I think he has made some improvement from last year, but I don't know if he's made enough. And you just can't do it. And, and you know, I think, you know, Dan said, whatever you think about reporters and the media and us being in the locker room, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. But the bottom line is the NFL has a media policy that's been in place for decades that says – the locker room is open after a 10 to 12 minute cooling off period. Usually the players get even more time to cool off because most guys don't speak to the media until after they've gotten showered and get dressed. They have to contractually obligated to speak once a week during the prior to the game, then after the game. And open locker room is open locker room. Everyone can be there, you know, that wants to be there. And what I would say is, you know, two things. The people are saying, well, oh, Jordan should have walked away. And obviously, all of us have a personal relationship with Jordan. I mean, I worked with a guy for a year at that beat. But if it was any reporter, if it was just some guy from Green Bay I've never heard of, I'd say the same thing. One, it sounds to me, and Dan was there. I don't. I wasn't there, so I don't. I can't really speak to the whole thing. But you know, sometimes you'll see a situation where a player will object to a reporter being around or whatever. But it'll be civil enough that the player can then basically say, 
all right, whatever. I'm not going to answer your question, but you can stay. Or the reporter will say, well, you know, I, I, fine, I'll leave. I mean, it sounds like Flowers never really let that situation, like, work itself out because he went from zero to 60 and got in Jordan's face immediately. So he escalated the situation, in my opinion. Dan, would you say it's a fair fair characterization? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, there was no one from the Giants PR staff around. Obviously, that would have helped, and I'm not really blaming them because, again, the way the locker room was set up, I mean, there was bigger scrums going on. There's only so many people. But typically, that's how you want to see it handled. I remember something last year. I don't remember who it was. I think it was the Rangers, and there was uh, I think it was probably probably Brooksy from the Post. That's the only guy you ever hear about on that beat. And one of the players. Yeah, baggy day. Yeah, one of the players didn't want him around. Yeah, it was end of the season, so it's probably the time where you can kind of do that. But I remember watching that, and it was pretty intense. But it just doesn't cross that line to being physical. And, again, yeah, I think if Flowers, I mean, it might sound a little juvenile, but you got to just probably go get the PR staff and be like, listen, I'm not talking while this guy's here. And, and then you can hash it out like adults. Uh, it's obviously never, again, keeping it in, like, the elementary school mindset, never makes things better by taking it to a physical point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously – he didn't handle it well. Uh, it was again, it was a very unique situation because not very often that in a post game locker room something like this could happen in such a, a small contained space without, you know, kind of generating more attention. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Flowers just there's there's no other way to put it. He's got to handle the situation better. I mean, you're a professional. Uh, whatever Jordan has written or whatever issue you have with the guy, you can handle it in a way without putting your hands on him. The role of a reporter is to convey information to the fans, and if you're a Giants fan. I think you want to hear what Eric Flowers has to say after he played so poorly last night. And, you know, what are we supposed to you know, oh, like, oh, well, he doesn't want to say anything. So, I mean, you know, if he doesn't want to speak and if he wants to say I'm not talking and and get on the bus and and get fined by the NFL, that's his business. If he wants to say no comment, no comment, no comment, that's his business. But I don't think fans can say, oh, well, he should have walked away. I mean, so what, you, you don't want to know what Flowers has to say? I mean, this is part of the, the job. You know, you're a top 10 draft pick. You're the starting left tackle for the New York Giants. Deal with it. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I will add, I'll emphasize the fact that you've seen a lot of reporters who kind of goad guys into stuff. Jordan didn't. I mean, again, I'm not saying that because he's my friend. He literally came up just to stick a recorder in him. I don't know if he's going to ask a question because, I mean, there wasn't a ton to ask Flowers, and I'm sure Jordan was going to get a quote or two and, and keep it moving. And again, once even when even when flowers are confrontational, Jordan just said, "I'm trying to do my job." And I know you might read that in print and might think he's doing it in kind of a taunting way. He really wasn't. He was like, "Listen, man, I'm just trying to do my job." Like that was the tone, like more like, "Whoa, I don't understand why you're getting so fired up. I'm just trying to do my job." So again, because I think you know you see it in print. There was no video, but I think we've all seen reporters who kind of maybe ask for it. And again, I don't know the history, but nothing Jordan did last night warranted that. The one thing that is clear, and obviously Flowers did not handle himself well after the game, is he's not playing well on the field, and that compounds all this. Giants fans did want to hear. It's why you were there, Dan. It's why Jordan ran over. It's why wherever that Green Bay guy was there. People want to hear about what Eric Flowers has to say, at least on a cursory level, on this Monday morning into this week, because he's their left tackle. He's not playing well. The offense stinks right now. How much of a concern is the offensive line, and Flowers in particular, James, Forget all the stuff, and we just talked about it, that happened with Jordan in the locker room. That's a whole other issue the Giants have to deal with, and he has to be a, be a professional. But his on-field play, the profession he is you know, getting paid pretty well to do for the Giants, he's not doing it very well right now. No, as I said earlier, I, I felt like the first couple of games this year he had made progress, but you know, last night was a major step back. And it wasn't just Flowers. I thought Bobby Hart played pretty poorly at right tackle, too, after having two solid games after Marshall Newhouse went down. But 
you just you look at flowers and I, I think the the bigger issue with flowers is not so much you know obviously the, the fact the offensive line is struggling that's a problem but flowers is gonna until he's really steps up and starts producing he's going to have the whole you know is he a fit at left tackle discussion and I think those calls are just going to get louder after Sunday night's loss they certainly and they should right I mean if he doesn't play well and he doesn't block well maybe he's not what they thought he'd be when they drafted him now as we look at this team now and I know one of you guys had a story on nj.com with, with Justin Pugh I think it was you James and, and his quotes about how the Giants are a good team and they're a feared team they just have to get it together after five games what are the Giants in, in your opinion, I mean, it, is this a good team that is in a rough stretch? Is this a bad team that squeaked out two early wins and now we're seeing what they really are? Dan, when you look at the Giants right now, two and three through five games, what are they to you? Uh, well, yeah, it's interesting because if I go back to my um, season preview game by game picks, I, I, I mean, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back for this, but I nailed this. I, this is how I projected it going. So when you get stuck in the middle of the storm, Three games in a row looks terrible, but it was obviously it was going to be a tough stretch. I mean, obviously they gave the Washington game away, but you know that's going to happen. They they pulled the Dallas game out, they pulled the New Orleans game out. I mean, there's going to be a lot of those types of games during a season. I mean, they really haven't gotten blown out, so I mean, I guess you can look at it that way. Obviously, the Vikings game was was not super close, but they were within a score in the fourth quarter. So uh, it's easy to to get caught up when you're in the eye of the storm. The problem is just some of the issues that are have kind of been there since the preseason. If you go on to talk about the offensive line, which was okay the first you know three weeks, four weeks, uh, it all kind of came crumbling down last night. But I, I just think there's more issues than I would have expected. I mean, anytime you lose, there's going to be issues. There's going to be concerns. But I think the way they've gone to two and three is a little uglier than I expected because the offense, now five games in, still hasn't played well. I mean, pass off to the defense because these games could be a lot uglier because they're out there all the time, a lot of three and outs. Uh, they kept. They actually gave the offensive takeaways finally a lot of good field position I mean you're not gonna you know shut out Aaron Rodgers in that offense so 23 points in the situation they were in I, I give them a lot of credit but yeah I think that it's easy to you know hit the panic button sound the alarms and and, and maybe that's not the worst thing to do at this point because again there are some issues here but I, like I said I thought they'd be two and three and I predicted them to go 10 and six I mean I you know looking back on that that might have been a little overly optimistic to think they're gonna turn it around that much but, I mean, hey, it's a tough stretch. They happen. Uh, this is a Ravens team that will be coming in next week that's vulnerable. Uh, just fire their offensive coordinator, so they clearly have problems. So uh, I don't know if it's ready to you know, jump ship, but there's certainly a few leaks that they better plug quick. No, they certainly should, and they have to, right? And the Ravens do look vulnerable. They just, like you said, changed the offensive coordinator. So uh, a fascinating game coming up. But, James, when you look at the Giants right now through five weeks, how should we look at them? Say, you know, Same type of deal in terms of, First two wins, we, we, we gave them credit here. We said, wow, it's a different team than last year. They squeaked it out. But now three straight losses. I mean, what are the 2016 Giants? All I know is right now, as we sit here and have this conversation, they're in last place in the NFC East. I, I think they're kind of what I thought they were going to be uh, for, for most of the preseason. You know, they're an 8-8, 9-7, 7-9, 500-ish football team that should be in the hunt, you know, whatever, however you define that, if they if they take care of business. But, I, you know, I just, as I said, like, I think going into the season, I, I was saying this since April, it's not a really terribly easy schedule for the Giants. I don't know why fans had decided this was going to be some cakewalk schedule and they were going to go roll to 11 or 12 wins. It's a tough schedule. And it's even tougher now because I think you know, the Ravens are 
as Dan said, they have some issues, but they are three and two. Rams have been plucky. Eagles have been great. Bengals, you know, my big thing about this Giants team now is with two and three, they got to play the Ravens this weekend. They got to go to London play the Rams. Then they come back from the bye for the Eagles and the Bengals. Can they get to that Bears Browns stretch with a chance to, hey, we're going to go try to pick up two big wins and, and really make a push for the playoffs? I don't know at this point because I don't, I don't see this offense, you know, I don't think there's a magic bull for this offense. I just think they have major issues. They have depth concerns on defense. The defense is kind of an enigma to me. They can't rush the passer. Yeah, they're, they're horrible on third downs, but yet they keep on holding teams to field goals. And if they start getting takeaways, I think they're going to be an even better units. So I just think this is kind of a Giants team. They're like most of the NFL, the soft middle. They could be good one week, bad the next week. They're going to win some games. They're going to lose some games. It's just all going to come down to a couple plays here and there. Is that the silver lining right now, Dan? You just mentioned this a few minutes ago, the defense, which the, t- the fact that they're not getting to the quarterback, I think, is standing out to people and the lack of sacks because of how much money they spent. But as James was just saying there, they have played pretty sound defense for the most part this year. Is, is that if, – if Giants fans are trying to take away something to feel positive about, is that it? Because maybe you think eventually the offense does something and, and eventually this team could put it together if the defense continues to play well? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking for pauses, I, the defense has been has been one. At the same time, the pass rush that's a concern. I mean, again, uh, you you know you're paying these defensive ends some pretty big dollars, and I know sacks aren't everything, and and yada yada. But at the end of the day, you got to get to the quarterback, and they're not doing that. I mean, I know, and I know Rodgers is tough. I mean, watching him work the pocket like that, I mean, he is. I mean, he's as good as it comes. I mean, he just is so smooth back there. But, you know, you're bringing four guys. He just had all day. I mean, I know obviously that was a strategic thing because I think if you bring pressure, it's probably going to be worse for you. But you got to win some one-on-one matchups at some point. You know, if you're Olivier Vernon, you're JPP, this is what you're here for. I mean, no one said it's going to be easy. you got to find a way to get to the quarterback. And they're not getting anything from the defensive tackles. They're trying to, you know, bring in some of those backup defensive ends, move them inside. You know, anyone heard from Oa uh, this season? He hasn't done anything. Uh, they actually try to give – uh, Ov and JPP a couple of snaps off, which was much needed, and I think it was that series where the Packers kind of gashed him on the ground a few times, and you realize, well, maybe that's why uh, you don't take those defensive out, the defensive ends out. So, um, so that's all the negative of the pass rush. But yeah, overall, again, I mean, this the defense is battling. I mean, they're, they're very shorthanded in the secondary. I mean, you got to tip your hat to DRC. I mean, that guy was you know on one wheel last night. They must have announced him out three different times. I, I joke that he was like a a villain in a, a horror movie where you just can't kill him because every time they say he's out, you see him hobbling back on the field for the next possession. And, uh, you know, some of that seems probably better than the next option, which, which says a little bit about the depth. Uh, but credit to him for, for battling. And, I mean, the you know, defense, again, has been a bright spot. Also, a lot of times, though, when you need the defense to make that stop and, and they can't come through with it, perfect example, uh, the, the fumble uh, late in the game where the ball, you know, hits Kelvin Shepard in the lap and he can't, you know, come up with a loose ball when it hits the ground. Obviously, that would have been an enormous play. So it, it, the defense gets a B. It's not like it's been an A-plus effort, but definitely a lot better than the offense. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think there's been some positives there that, that you could take away and say this might keep going and this might not just be a, you know, an early season thing and the defense might be there. So now as we look forward with this team, guys, I mean, they're two and three. They've lost three in a row. There's been the ebbs and flows of this thing. James, when you look forward to this coming week, Baltimore – I mean, what do you think the theme of this week is going to feel like around the Giants? I mean, last week it was Beckham, and uh, I thought on Sunday night, although he wasn't special, um, you know, it was kind of a, a more of a normal, just a football game. And I know he went over and 
uh, and made up with the kicking net. But the Beckham thing was the theme of last week. We're going to have a lot of flowers conversation this week because of what happened. But oh, big picture, what do you think the, the conversation is going to be this week around the Giants? Like, how do they fix this? What do you think we're going to be talking about between now and the Baltimore game? I think there's going to be a, a lot of heat uh, on McAdoo, you know, with the flowers thing, you know. Is this guy in control of the team? You know, is there discipline? You know, there were there were penalties last night too. I mean, you know, Roger Lewis had a really dumb interference call, uh, you know, penalty on a punt. Uh, they had twelve men in the huddle that got waved off by offsetting penalties. So that's an issue. The, obviously, the Flowers thing, you know, the Beckham thing. Obviously, you know, it wasn't an issue last night, but that's still going to be fresh in people's memory. I think also, you know, this offense, like, you know, where's it going? You know, what what the heck's wrong with this offense? You know. The last two years, they've been a top 10 unit, and now they're averaging 17.8 points a game, and they can't get Victor Cruz the ball, and they can barely get Odell the ball. And, you know, I just think there's going to be a, like, Flowers will be a big topic of discussion. I think where the Giants are going as a team, I mean, this is a must win. They've got to win Sunday. If they don't win Sunday, I, I think they're, they're pretty much, they're not dead, but they're, they're getting awfully close to it because. The Eagles are playing well. The Cowboys are playing well. The Redskins. I mean, if you think about it, the Giants are in last place, and they're basically two games back of third place because they've already lost to the Redskins. They could dig themselves a hole they can't climb out of real quick. So I think major subjects will be Flowers, both on the field and off the field, McAdoo, both on the field and off the field. And, you know, they got to win this game on Sunday or they're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, they would be. A two and two and four would be a major hole to climb out of. And, uh, Dan, for you, you, James just mentioned McAdoo and, and the conversation that will probably happen this week. How much of this is on him? I mean, he's a first-year coach. It's, it's weird because it was so easy, I think, for Giants fans and, and really people all over the place to just put a lot of what happened last year and the last few years on Tom Coughlin. He's getting old. He's lost his, the team, the, his voice, all that kind of stuff. And now that's clearly out the window, and it's a coach we're still trying to get to know, but the team's not performing. You know, Where do you think McAdoo falls in this? Well, first off, I, and I went and looked it up. I did have them being the Ravens. So, I mean, if, if things just continue to follow script, don't worry, guys. It'll be okay. Three <laughs> three. Um, yeah, no, I mean, listen, the thing about McAdoo is he doesn't have some extensive resume. You know, he moved up the ranks really quickly. It's kind of easy to forget, maybe because he doesn't look that young, but he's only, what, 38, 39 years old. So he, ha- he hasn't had this long track record uh, of huge success. I mean, obviously, the launch pad to this position was – uh, you know, being an offensive coordinator here for two years on teams that put up a lot of points and went a combined, what, 12 and 20. So, I mean, you don't know that this guy can do it. I'm not saying he can't either. It's it's not fair to judge him five games into his career that he can or cannot do it. We don't know that yet. Uh, but it's fair to be concerned because, again, there isn't a track record. And it's not easy to go. It's one thing to be the offensive coordinator where you're pretty much worried what X's nose. You're spending all your time in the meeting room with Eli Manning and obviously – you know, the other position groups, then to have to step to the front of the room. And obviously he got great reviews for that. So, you know, players all offseason and all the training camp said that, you know, he has great command of the room. You know, Justin Pugh said as recently as last week that, uh, you know, he loves McAdoo. So he's not losing the team, it doesn't seem like, or anything like that. Uh, but losing has a tendency to, to maybe speed up that process. So they got to get things right because, you know, James mentioned, I mean, Victor Cruz, zero catches. I think he had maybe two targets. Uh that's not probably going to sit so well with him. Uh, it's really hard to understand, though, when a guy's specialty is offense, he's still calling the plays, and the offense looks this bad. So, you know, there's only one way to, you know, only one place to point the finger. I mean, they can't fire the offensive coordinator. That wouldn't really you know, do a heck of a lot when the head coach is, is calling the plays. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think 
concerns about McAdoo are warranted. Uh, there's obviously deeper concerns because this is the roster he inherited, and, and there's obviously some flaws there. Um, but with the off-field stuff and, and just some of the decisions he's made, he's going to have to to really prove himself because I think it's fair to be skeptical at this point. I think you have to be, right? I think until he proves himself or until they get out of this hole and start winning some games and go on a winning streak, there's going to be a lot of skepticism. All right, let's, let's wrap with this, guys. As we look forward to the Giants against the Ravens, the Rams coming up against that, a kind of a crossroads here for McAdoo and the Giants. Give me one reason for both of you, one reason Giants fans should look forward and, and say it's going to be okay, and then one reason or one thing that maybe is standing out to you that says it might not be okay. And obviously, you know, this is all in the grand scheme of football, but for this season, it might not be okay. So one reason for optimism, one reason for maybe realism or pessimism. We'll start with you, James. I think for optimism, I, the Ravens and the Rams are not the Vikings and the Packers, so... I think the Giants have a realistic shot to go win these next two games. Both teams don't really have great offenses, so that should help the Giants. If their defense can play well, the offense can do enough. It could be 4-3 and three coming out of the bye. The Eagles, who knows? You know, Yesterday's loss to the Lions could have been the beginning of you know, the Wentz wagon kind of coming back down to earth. Uh, the Bengals have been kind of up and down too, so all of a sudden that game you know, in mid-November on Monday Night Football at home doesn't look so tough, so... I think that's the positive, that, that they do have a schedule in front of them, that things could break their way. If they play better, they could win a couple of games, maybe get themselves back into a stronger position in the hunt. But the reason for pessimism is, you know, it's just, you look at this offense, and I don't see, you know, all the playmakers are healthy. The only guy, they're, you know, they're missing Rashad Jennings, and they're missing Shane Vereen, but... I don't think Bobby Rainey and Orleans Darkwell and Paul Perkins have been a significant drop-off from those guys. So all the receivers are healthy. You know, obviously they don't have Larry Donnell, but you know, Larry Donnell will tie six one half dozen the other, I think. I think both those guys are solid. You know, you know, they're they do what they do. Offensive line, you know, I mean it's unless Will Beatty suddenly gets put in at one of the tackle spots and is sensational, uh you you think they would have done that by now if if he they thought he was ready to do that. So I, just, I think the offense is the reason for pessimism is you look at it and there's not a lot of clear answers. Oh, well, it's definitely going to get better when this happens. You know, this, this might be the group. It might be, and that is not a good thing for Giants fans. Dan, for you, a reason for some optimism and a reason for maybe realism or pessimism as we look forward for the rest of the season. And maybe it could just be because they're following your picks exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, trust me, I, I looked it up. I got to turn it around. They're going to be five and three. Everyone just calm down. Um, but no, I think I'll actually say the same thing as my reason for optimism and pessimism is the offense. As far as optimism, it can't be this bad, right? I mean, again, we look at the weapons they have. We look at what this system with Eli Manning at the helm and Ben McAdoo calling the plays has done the past two seasons with inferior weapons. You just have to feel like at some point the, you know, the breakout now that's going to become a thing we're going to probably be talking about. Like, well, when's it coming? Because it certainly didn't on uh, Sunday night. But I think that is – you just have to look at it and say it seems impossible that uh, a team with this much talent can't solve a cover two. Because, I mean, that's really what it keeps going after the game. And they make it sound like this this grand strategic thing they're going against every week. They have safeties deep. You know what I mean? Like there's got to be a way to figure that out. I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, an ex- always expert, but it, I, you know, I think there's some ways to attack this that uh, shouldn't be so overwhelming to them. But – so I guess I kind of went optimistic into pessimistic there in that answer. Um, but so, and then the pessimism is the pessimism is can they turn it around? I mean, the, we're a third of the way into the season. It, it's easy to say, oh, you know, it's still early. It's still early. Well, at some point, you are what you are. So, 
again, the pieces are in place, but there's, there's a reason why we haven't seen it yet. And maybe it doesn't just click. I don't know. Um, you know, again, they haven't played great defenses, which is the thing that kind of concerns me, you know, outside the Vikings, you're, you're facing mediocre to bad defenses week in week out and not able to move the ball. So actually I shouldn't say not, not able to move the ball, not able to get the ball in the end zone. Um, so yeah, for me, it's all going to be on the offense. So if you want to, if you want to look at it half full, that hey, this offense still hasn't clicked, and we're you know we're hanging around. We're two and three. Pessimistic is we're two and three because the offense hasn't clicked, and, and maybe it's not gonna click. Yeah, it looks like it feels like it's getting late early, and the Giants have to fix that uh, before things change, and the you know, the season isn't what a lot of people thought it could be. So the Giants are two and three. The Ravens coming in with a new offensive coordinator. Uh, meanwhile, you have the rest of the NFC East in a lot of ways looking a lot better than it did a few weeks ago. So we'll have a lot to talk about next week. Um, after the Raven game, James, Dan, uh, of course, always thanks for doing this. Safe flight home, James. You got it, Joe. Thank you. You too, Dan. We'll catch up next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Joe. And thanks to all of you for listening to episode 69 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. You can listen on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, any way you want to listen. You can, of course, iTunes. Leave us a rating there. It helps the show grow so we can bring more to you in the future. Thanks for listening. <laughs>